Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, the fixed eyes of Jesus. We read a very interesting statement in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51. It reads, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely sent out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. It's that expression that Jesus set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. That's the King James Version which is a direct echo from Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 7. But Adoniah, Yahweh, that is the sovereign God, helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. And Isaiah 50 also is a prophecy that talks about the abuse that Jesus would suffer in Jerusalem. Now, that's a very interesting phrase, and Luke uses it as a marker in his gospel. In other words, at this point, Luke 9, 51, Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Now, it only takes maybe at the most a few days to walk from the Galilee area to Jerusalem, but it took Jesus six months. Now, the reason it lasted six months is because as he was going on the way to Jerusalem, he stopped to meet people's needs. He healed and he taught to teach the people. He taught to interact with the people. In other words, he engaged in ministry all the way to Jerusalem, but he never lost sight of the fact that he was destined to go to Jerusalem at this time. And so we read in Luke's gospel after this, markers along the way. In other words, what Luke does is he sort of gives us a travel log of Jesus from this point on going to Jerusalem when he enters in what we call the triumphal procession or Palm Sunday, where the people came out to, to greet him, waving palms and declaring him to be the son of David, declaring him to be the long-expected Messiah. But if we, if we read in Luke, if we just follow along in Luke, we'll find the travel log. Now, let me see if I can construct a little bit of that for you. We read in chapter 13, Then Jesus traveled throughout the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way toward Jerusalem. In Luke 17, verse 11, we read, While Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And then in Luke 18, 31, we have the following words. Then Jesus took the 12 aside and he said to them, look, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything the prophets have written about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Now, this was the third time in route to Jerusalem that he tells his immediate disciples that he's going up to Jerusalem and he's going there in order to die in order to fulfill the prophecies that are made about the Son of Man. 
and how he will suffer and die and be resurrected. But they didn't understand it. They didn't receive it. It was Jesus said the words, but they basically refused to believe that. Then we come to Luke 19, where we're at the very uh, edge of Jerusalem. While the people were listening to this, Jesus proceeded to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. And then in Luke 19 and verse 28, we have him going toward Jerusalem to enter the very gates of the city where the people greeted him. Now, all of these, this travelogue, Jesus going to Jerusalem, says something about the life of Christ and what Christ came into the world to accomplish. And what it says is that Jesus did nothing that was just on the spur of the moment. Jesus uh, preceded all of his life according to the plan set out by God the Father from all eternity. What he did was to accomplish the will of God, and he traveled underneath the direction of God to the place where he would make the offering for sin. Now, there's a parallel structure that goes on in the Gospel of John. And perhaps you've noticed it before. When you read through the Gospel of John, you come across this wording all the time. It begins in John chapter 2 and verse 4. It's where Jesus is at a wedding a feast that his mother or family has invited him to, and he brings along his disciples, and the people begin to run out of wine, and Mary, his mother, wants Jesus to fill the water pot, I mean, to, to feed the people, give the people wine, or to take care of the problem. So she presents the problem to, to Jesus, and he says to her, what has that got to do with me, lady? But she instructs the people to go on and do whatever Jesus he says. that when Jesus makes these remarks to his mother, he says the following expression, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And then throughout John's gospel, we have this same expression that keeps coming up. John chapter 7 in verse 6 and verse 8 and verse 30. Three times in this one chapter, Jesus says, my time is not yet come, or I'm going you go on up to the feast. I'm not going to the feast for my time is not yet fully come. And so they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. You see, there's an hour. There's a time. It's something will happen in an appointed time and at an appointed place. That's what these expressions in Luke's gospel and in John's gospel are telling us. Uh, to continue on in John chapter 8 and verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. You know, in the life of Jesus, there were times when his life was threatened, when the people rushed on him like a mob. Uh, that happened early in his ministry when he preached in the synagogue at Nazareth. The people rushed on him as if they were going to kill him. And there were other times when they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus would slip out of their midst. He would evade them. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. And though he came into the world in order to make an atoning sacrifice for sinners, he could not and would not do it until the appointed time of the Father. And so we read in John 13, 1, 
Here, Jesus is at the Passover meal, the last Passover he would share with his disciples before his crucifixion. In fact, it happens just the day before he's arrested and put on trial. He reads, and now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then, After the supper, when Jesus makes this great prayer on behalf of his apostles and disciples, he he says to the Father, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Now, expressions. These expressions found in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John tell us that what Jesus was to accomplish in Jerusalem at the time of his death was all in accordance with God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Everything moved according to God the Father's time clock, and Jesus knew when that time was and when it began to strike. We read in Luke 9, 51, When the days drew drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because his hour, the hour of his sacrifice for the sins of his people had come. Now, all of this had been predicted in the great transfiguration of the Lord that occurred just before this wording is put in Luke 9. 51. We read earlier in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus took three of his most trusted apostles, his inner core, up to a mountain with him. And there, before their very eyes, he was transfigured. That is, the glory of God showed out through his very body and clothes, and there appeared to him two figures, Moses and Elisha. And they were talking to him about his coming exodus, his coming time when he would leave. He is going to Jerusalem to make the exodus. And then God the Father's voice speaks to him. Now, when everything has disappeared and the disciples are sort of awakened from their slumber, they see only Jesus. At that point, Jesus begins to to predict to them what's going to transpire in the next few months in Jerusalem when his hour had come. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, remember Jesus. He is the appointed one who comes to bring God's salvation.